Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Carlin outside, working, still working against O'Neal. Pulls back, pass to Kevin. Kevin now with five to shoot. Kevin baseline right. Back out to Garland. Going to have to hurry. Lob underneath to Allen. He caught it and threw it down. Garland comes away with it. Darius down the middle. On the dribble. Underneath for Love. He caught it in traffic. Turns, banked it up and good. Mobley on the right side. Pass in the lane to Stevens. On the cut, found him. He lays it up and in. The Utah Jazz lose again. That's four in a row. Cleveland Cavaliers roll into a 111-91 win. They led the whole game. They blew it wide open in the third quarter. Joe Ingles returned briefly. Got a quick technical. Then got a second technical. Hit the road, and at that point, Jazz were down like half their rotation. and They weren't coming back, and they knew it, so there wasn't much to the second half of that game. Disappointing PK or kind of what you expected? No, I think what you knew going into that game that it was going to be very difficult. Hit the road, Joe, and don't you come back no more, no more is what you're saying. Saying it. With (laughs) with that in mind, Utah, the Cleveland Cavaliers got a massive front line, and the Jazz at 6'8", with Bogdanovich, who's nothing close to the defender, and then Joe gets himself kicked out. It wasn't going to happen. Yeah, that was the wrong game to be missing all three of your seven-footers. I mean, you only play one of them at a time, so it's not like Cleveland couldn't have done some damage and won the game anyway, but no Rudy. We'll see if he's back Sunday in Denver for their next game. No Hassan Whiteside. No Azbuke, so there you go. Malik Fitz out four weeks. Wrist injury. He'll be reevaluated. They showed him on the bench with a big old cast on that wrist, so he'll be reevaluated. He could be gone much longer than that. For the Jazz, when do they get their guys together, and will it be in time for Denver on Sunday, or is five coming? DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Tatum, moving to his right, blows right by Brissett, gets to the cup and slams it home. Randall up top against Kleba, has him backpedaling to Barrett, right corner, step back for three, knocks it down to beat the shot clock. Another 30-point game at the Garden for Barrett, he's got 32. Here's Harden out of the left, stops on a dime, pulls up from three and drains it. That's the fifth three for Harden, he's got 25. Demetu straight away for three. He's got the bucket. Jamezi Metu, arms outstretched, backpedaling up the floor, being uh, mobbed by his teammates and being swept with the ovation from Kings fans. Sacramento Kings beat the Lakers in one of the most Lakerish of all Laker games. Was that game just everything everybody's been saying about the Lakers all year long right there? Laker-ish, huh? Yes, yeah, the most Laker-ish of all Laker games. LeBron just determined to get the most he can out of this team, whatever it is. 34 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. He didn't shoot the 3 well, but actually he didn't shoot free throws well either. But uh, he kept grinding. Meanwhile, you know Westbrook doesn't shoot the ball well. He gave him a 2 for 14. That's brutal. You know, the Lakers don't defend well. 40 points in the third quarter and 125 in the game. 
lot of the storylines coming together there at the same time. Yeah, but at the same time, if this were the Jazz, we'd be quick to point out that Anthony Davis Anthony is Anthony Davis playing. is gone, right. So this is what you were talking about. Right now, they're 500-ish. They look like they could be headed for the play-in. But if they have their whole team together in the playoffs, do you want to play them? I mean, you get to one or two and you're playing seven or eight. Do you want the Lakers if Davis is healthy? Well, if I'm in the bracket to play them, yes, I want them. Because it means you got to one or two? Hmm. Yeah. 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 So I'm not going to run from anybody. If I'm, if, if, I, if I'm worried about who I'm playing, then I'm already beat. The Dallas Mavericks trying to pull away from that group at 500, and they had gotten gotten four games over, but they lost, so they dropped back to three over. Knicks hammer them 108 to 85. The Mavericks though sitting fifth in the West, five and a half games behind the Jazz right now. Portland Trailblazers have been dropping in the in the West. Already don't have CJ McCollum, collapsed lung. And Damian Lillard now is going to have surgery on a lingering abdominal injury. They are 4-7 and seven when he doesn't play without those two guys. We're really not expecting anything out of Portland. Eight games under 500 right now. If I were Portland, I'd try to lose the rest of their games so they can find a way to get a better draft pick, get some new blood in there. I think you are on to their plan. In the East, Gordon Hayward had 30. Hornets beat the 76ers 109-98. to Saw another round of stories that uh, there's no progress on moving Simmons. I know there's the uh, theory, you know, everybody needs a deadline to get stuff done, and the trade deadline is coming up. What, do you, what would you put the odds on that Simmons, uh, the Simmons deal finally getting done? Or Philly just limps along the way they are? 100%. 100% it gets done. Yeah. Because they can't limp along the way they are. They have no leverage. Or you have an asset there and it's being wasted. Yes. They are fifth in the West right now, four and a half games behind the Bulls, who have the uh, top spot. Although the Bulls got crushed by the Nets, 138 to 112. The Nets take down the Chicago Bulls, and the Nets are a game and a half behind the Bulls. Bulls first in the East, Nets second. But on this night, it's all about the Nets. Well, that game was on uh, after the Jazz game. It must have started. It started at 8 o'clock our time, which would have been 9 o'clock Chicago time. It seems awfully late uh, for a regular season game, but uh, especially at that time, not on, on that location, not on our side of the country. But I think the Nets, they were clearly hyped for that game. They had Irving. Now I'm hearing people say that uh, the Nets should just pay the fine for New York, uh, whatever it is. It would total, I think, $70,000 if they paid all their fines and allowed Irving to play. Because that was a really good game for them. They had it going on, and they just smothered the Bulls, who like to think of themselves as a serious contender in the East. And yet it's Nets by 26, and 138 is an outrageous number. Locks told us, uh, was telling us all last year, can anyone stop the Nets from scoring? And it doesn't matter they're not good at defending. They can just outscore everybody. And, man, that theory gets a big boost when you see them putting 138 points on the board. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Utah State loses to Colorado State 77-72. The Rams have just one loss all year. Colorado State and San Diego State projected as the NCAA tournament teams out of the Mountain West Conference. Can somebody else uh, pull down a third bid in that league? Man, a win in Fort Collins would have been awesome, but the Aggies come up five points short. 
Yeah, that Gotti kid uh, for uh, CSU. That his name, man. He looked like a bull, man. He is stocky, and he had it going on. It was a fun game to watch. Sean Bearstow led the way with 20 points in the loss. Dixie State finishes the game on an 11-0 run to stun Cal Baptist, 79-76. Seattle beat UVU. UVU drops to 11-5 on the year, 2-2 in the league. BYU tonight, number two Gonzaga, late game, 9 p.m. on ESPN2. They've gone up there and pulled shockers before. This would be a shocker. Oh, yeah, for sure it would be a shocker. I mean, I just think they're big guys, speaking of Gonzaga, are going to have a field day. Yeah. Cougars taking a 14-3 record into this. This will only be their third league game. They are 2-0 right now in the West Coast Conference. Idaho's at Weber State. SUU is at Montana in the Big Sky. Those games are on ESPN+. Plus, the Gonzaga-BYU game is on ESPN2 tonight at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Close to 100%. I think I should be 100% probably by, uh, by next week. That's Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers telling reporters the toe injury has been getting better. They got the bye week in the playoffs at the top seed. They don't have to play this week. He said he hasn't needed any objections of late and uh, seemed definitive right there. So we'll have to move on to some other level of drama. Stop worrying <laughs> about Aaron Rodgers' toe. I'm not worried about it. Sweet. Good work by you. Way to progress. Former Ute star Eric Weddle. He's back, baby, joining the Rams for the playoffs. Weddle is 37 years old. He retired after the 2019 season, so it's been two years, but he did start 16 games for the Rams that year. He's replacing Jordan Fuller, the starting safety, who suffered a season-ending ankle injury against the Niners last Sunday. This one caught me off guard. I got to admit, I was surprised, PK. 37-year-old defensive backs? And has he been lifting and running and staying in shape, waiting for this for two years? Seems highly unusual. But... It's the playoffs, it's high stakes, and apparently he's going to be ready to go. Well, they only need him for a month. Yeah. Is he ready to start running sprints against some big, fast, highly motivated guys? Monday Night Football, Cardinals and Rams, the sixth of the six playoff games this weekend. What will be on full display. Chicago Bears interviewed former Philadelphia Eagles coach Doug Peterson yesterday as they start their search for a new head coach to replace the fired Mad Nagy. Now, how unusual is it to have a Super Bowl winning coach sitting out on the sidelines? Not by his choice. I don't know. I can't can't recall. That's where you come in. Yeah, I don't recall either. It has been... Well, it's been a while. I mean, Parcells did it. Right, but wasn't that his choice that he would step away? Not somebody walk in and saying, you're fired. Uh, wasn't it one at Boston? Was it with the Patriots about having control? So, uh, yeah, at least partially his choice, if not entirely. So, yeah, I get your point. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Utah linebacker Devin Lloyd made it official. He declared for the NFL draft. Consensus All-American, 110 tackles, 22 tackles for loss, a pick six in the conference title game. 
PK, when this news came out, it was almost like, oh yeah, he hadn't made that official yet. But mentally, we had all checked that box. Devin Lloyd, NFL. He's gone. Yeah, I didn't know that he needed to make it official because in my mind, he absolutely was going to be gone. Kyle said that he heard he was going to be a uh, top uh, half of the first round. Somebody's going to get a ready-made player. He's going to be able to step in and play. He's he's just a very good player. He he accomplished everything he could have possibly accomplished in college for sure. Yep. Top half of the first round. That'll be a good payday for him right out of the gate. Probably a bad team. Hopefully he'll get a team that's uh, bad but just missing a couple pieces and Get him onto a good team. Because we remember Van Noy, similar situation. Ready-made player. Uh, we all had high expectations for him. Not this high, probably. <laughs> but still, uh, we thought he'd be good. He went to Detroit, and it just didn't go anywhere at all because he's on a bad team. As soon as he got to a good organization, took off, flourished, he was the guy. Uh, yeah, he was hurt, too, the first uh, half of the season. So, actually, I expected Van Noy to do what he's doing. I thought he was a big-time player. Right. And it's the same thing with Van Noy. Or, uh, Devin Lloyd. Lloyd. You think he's a big-time player? Yeah. I do. Yeah. Quinton Ganther got the tie to the U program. Kyle likes guys with ties to the program. So, you have a new running back coach. He's a former U running back. Yeah, he's been around a little bit, coached uh, at Weber, yep. so was has an opportunity to jump back in. I'm sure he's ecstatic, and, you know, they need somebody to recruit and sell the program, and he bought what they tried to sell way back when, and Kyle, get him going on that hit that he laid on Dustin Gabriel there. <laughs> and oh, yeah, that little, video was out. <laughs> He just absolutely loves that play. He loves that toughness. That just screams Kyle, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I, You know, I don't remember the because it was a long time ago, but it's not like I saw him, like, right after the game. Like, there is a sp- – and he wanted to talk about that play. Hey, did you see that? Well, of course I saw it. How could you miss it? That was a spectacular hit. Big Ten released its revised 2022 football schedule on Wednesday. They added a pair of cross-divisional games to avoid matchup between teams for a third consecutive season after the pandemic-altered 2020 season caused some jumbling and shuffling of the conference games when they only played eight games each. So, tweaking. The tweaking still going on, but the Big Ten schedule is out. And I think the news on this side of the country is when does the Big Ten release a schedule that has eight conference games instead of nine? Because clearly... Pac-12's new commissioner, Klyovkov, can't wait for that to happen and can't wait for the Pac-12 to schedule non-conference games with the Big Ten routinely. Okay, but then they have to go to eight also. Right. They do, and that's not happening. (laughs) Not yet, anyway. Oh, I think it is happening. When do you think it'll happen? How far out do you think that is? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, the the Pac-12 will go to eight. Oh, yeah, the the day that the Big Ten announces it, an hour later, the Pac-12 will make an announcement. I think they've already decided, and they're just waiting. Yeah, and then they're going to go with that thing he's talked about. Right. I, mean, I don't think he's made any secret about it. No, no, he wants it to happen. He's openly rooting for it. Yeah, he didn't want to call the. He's always careful not to call the Big Ten out, but he is. He is ready. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Right. You do it. We'll do it. We'll play. Let's go. Yeah. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, we're going to talk NFL playoffs with Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He's going to join us coming up at 730. Ken Pomeroy, college basketball expert, 
owner of KenPalm.com at 8.30. And Joe Ingles will be joining us tomorrow. So look forward to that. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Question of the day coming up. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. I think the Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers are the two really good teams. In fact, I'm probably changing my Super Bowl pick to mirror what uh, Sam Farnsworth from KSL. That's his pick. I'm probably going to copy that pick now. Never going to pick slash root for the Chiefs. You don't have to pick. You don't have to root for them, but you can pick them. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Hot Takes Your Toast is brought to you by Zero Res, the only carpet cleaner for a smart, lasting clean. Zero Res's patented process uses only water to clean, meaning no crunchy carpets and a spot-free carpet that's safe for the whole family. Schedule your carpet today. Carpet cleaning today. Schedule your carpet today. Hey, carpet, I need you today. Schedule your carpet cleaning today by calling 801-288-9376 or book online at ZeroResSaltLake.com. If you're up north, it's ZeroResDavisWeber.com. You need not be necessary to win. Exactly. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone turns around, looks at the press box. I love that story because I have sat at the top of a grandstand and had people turn around and talk and look at me like, what was that? Nothing. Never mind. Turn around and watch the game. Carry on. Well, at least you're paying attention. Yeah, they were. I was annoying them to death. All right. The uh, fourth straight lay- loss drops the Jazz into fourth place in the West. What? Do to what to do. <laughs> you had one, too. Good one. <laughs> it was late. Yeah, I believe it. I did the game last night. Oh, you did? Yeah. Ooh, look at you go. Well, I thought you got outstanding answers to this question. I would grade this as an A+. Our listeners came through with tremendous answers. There was very little whining. Eh, a little whining's fine. But very little of it. And a lot of uh, creative answers. Some serious some funny, uh, some cheap-shotting other people with bad opinions. This is a nice mix. I was very impressed. But not an A++++++ like nah, Rafi that's got on his theme? No, you got the A+. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> USA Today gave Utah State an A+, on their football season. One win to a conference championship. A bowl win, two wins over the Pac-12. Yeah, give it. Yeah, absolutely. That was a great year. Nobody nobody predicted 11 wins. Nobody predicted the conference title, and they got them. So some of the answers I liked, uh, Thomas takes a different spin. He says it's actually a little encouraging. The last few years, we've had great runs in January, and that sets us up for disappointment later. Maybe change is good. Thomas, talking himself into anything. But there has been a disconnect between January and June for the Jazz for a couple of years now, so why couldn't the disconnect work the other way? Well, 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 what does that have to do with this year, though? Uh, There's no guarantee it has anything to do with this year. I mean, they could go out in the first or second round again. There's no guarantee. But he's not going to obsess about January results because they don't accurately predict May and June anyway. They had the best record in the NBA last year, but it didn't lead to a championship. And actually, there are people who spell that out uh, even uh, more uh, succinctly. Uh, they're buried down here. But yeah, but that doesn't make any sense to me. So play why? poorly, and somehow that's going to be better? That's your goal then? 
because no. we didn't play. We didn't win Not at all. Only and we goal. played well in January, so let's play crappy in January this year. There's no correlation, is what I'm saying. Zero. So because they're not playing well, though, will there be more attention to improving between now and then as opposed to, hey, you won, and that was great, and it got everybody's expectations up, but you didn't improve to the point you could win the championship. And are they what, going to keep improving because now the, the pressure is on? This feels bad. What does a fan's expectation have anything to do with the ball club, though? There's not a direct connection there. No, it would be indirect. Will the team keep improving because the team knows it's not good enough right now? You're right. It is indirect. It would have to be indirect. Benjamin might have grown up in New Jersey at some point. If he's lucky. Fourth straight loss, drops the Jazz in fourth place. What to do, what to do. He says, make fun of people who said Rudy was overpaid with his last contract. Nice. Ignore the basketball. Let's just find some fans and go at them. Everybody's overpaid. Okay, well, sure. But by NBA standards. And I think virtually everybody in the NBA is overpaid, except for maybe three or four guys. LeBron, because he's on network TV driving that contract for everybody. Of course. (laughs) Yes. Before him, Jordan, because he was on network TV driving that contract for everybody. Of course, yeah. Yeah. What is your oh go ahead? What's your value relative to winning? Gobert's is very high. And for people who are not clear on that, they ought to be now. Fritz goes with a very simple and straightforward get healthy. Dot dot dot. Don't panic. I want to go back to the Rudy thing. Oh, Jake okay. and I Jake and I were talking about this last night on the post game. Somebody asked him a question or asked uh, Donovan a question about that, right? And basically, I think that's insulting. You needed losses to figure out Gobert's value. I think by asking that question, you doubted Gobert's value. It is an absolute given his value to winning. It is extremely high. By even broaching the subject means you didn't necessarily believe in it. Now, not necessarily the guy who asked the question. I'm not talking about the media member because I think he was trying to make a point. I that, know yeah. the answer to this question, but nobody yeah. wants to hear it from me. They want to hear it from Donovan Mitchell. So Precisely. I have to ask the question. I've been, been in yeah. that role before and been jumped by it. I'm like, I know the answer. Right, right, right. They we, want to hear it from you. Yeah, most of the time. And so I don't remember. It was somebody from the, the Tribune. Whoever asked the question, he knew the answer. But exactly, he wanted Donovan to say it. That's why he asked the question. Most of the time, having been in the business for 30-plus years, when we ask questions, we know the answers, but we want the newsmakers to say it. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We'll have more on the jazz coming up in the next segment. But right now, it's time to talk NFL playoffs. Right now, it's time to welcome in Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst, Lincoln, good morning. DJ, PK, happy New Year's to you. I, I don't know if we talked last week. I don't think we did. Jake said we didn't. But um, happy New Year's to you guys, uh, and it's good to be with you. How you doing? It is good to have you back, and I couldn't help but think of you watching the Raiders and Chargers 
It was not a perfect game. It was a struggle. <laughs> but those often make for entertaining games, and that game was nothing if not wildly entertaining. The most surprising thing that happened in that game. What well, I tell you what. Other than me running out of nitroglycerin pills because <laughs> I was having a heart attack almost every other play, um, <laughs> the, the the biggest thing that came out was the the fact that in the past those types of games the Raiders have found a way to lose. This season, the Raiders have found a way to win, um, and it's a total team effort. Um, I've been critical of Derek Carr pretty much his entire career. Uh, and, and this time, I, I noticed uh, it, it really came out. I, I kind of noticed it in other games, but it really came out in this game. In fact, this is this is a decent team now, uh, and, I, and I say that wholeheartedly. Team, it's not just an offense; it's a decent team. Um, the fact that the offense has got a little bit of running game. Derek Carr has not had to throw over 300 yards to win these games the past uh, over the past month, uh, and the defense has showed up along with the special teams. It's it's a it, it really is a team that's holding every other facet about it accountable. Lincoln, it's exactly what I want to ask you right off the bat. A number of comeback wins this year. This has been a it's been a crazy season for yeah. the Raiders. Obviously, with off the field stuff and with Gruden all the all the junk that's been going on. But when they get out there, they find a way to pull a rabbit out of a hat almost right. so, so to speak and i'm wondering does that actually build more confidence in your team knowing hey it doesn't really matter the situation we know we can do this because we've been doing this all season without having the privilege of being in a locker room and playing with these guys i have to say yes from the outside in, mainly because when you look at it, all the things that have stacked up, you talked about the off-the-field issues, I've never dealt with or I've never been a part of anything like that. You know, I, when, I played 12 years. I, didn't, I never had a coach that left in the middle of the season or was gone in the middle of the season or beginning of the season, but I always knew, you know, there's coaches that weren't going to be coming back the following year. I never had players, you know, arrested for DUIs and no longer on the team, uh, as starters, as a matter of fact, um, and though we've had our fair share of, uh, of off-the-field incidents, and more importantly, you know, the transition uh, from uh, Oakland to Las Vegas on top of a national pandemic that is affecting every single team in every part of our country. I've never been a part of all the off-the-field issues that one could probably make excuses for and say, well, this is why we couldn't win, or this is what happened, or or whatever it is. Um, When you look at this team, uh, it's very impressive to see their, their level of resolve and their ability to stay in it. Uh, you know, Max Crosby on Sunday night had an unbelievable game. I mean, a really a standout game. He was a difference maker. He was effective and an impact player on, on almost every offensive play. However, you still had the Chargers that had in one drive, I think they had six fourth downs where they converted. That's never happened before. And as a broadcaster, I'm sitting there, I'm stunned. My mouth is wide open. I've, I've never seen this before. You hold somebody for three downs, and all of a sudden, the fourth down, they find a way to get the first down. But you also have to tip your hat to the Chargers because, like, look, those guys get paid too, and they're going to be a, a force to reckon with in the future. Um, all that being said, it was a tremendous season with the NFL adding their 17th game to the regular season and adding you know, another sort of layer, if you will, to the playoffs. It came down to the final game of the regular season on national TV. As a, as a sports fan, I don't know if you can if you can write a better script. To be honest with you, because there were there were there were two spots that were left. Pittsburgh Steelers were laying in the, in in, in the, the corner waiting, and I honestly believe, guys, when it comes to that Charger game, the Raiders were perfectly content with just letting the clock run out and taking the tie, sending both teams to the to the playoffs until Brandon Staley called that uh, called that uh, the timeout. 
force the Raiders to have to run a play. And then all of a sudden, out of ex- execution, Josh Jacobs is able to slip the line of scrimmage, get the first down, and now you're in a field goal position. So you're going to kick the field goal to win the football game. The Chargers converted a lot of fourth downs, as you mentioned, and it was wildly entertaining. But the one they didn't convert earlier in the game, fourth and one, inside their own 20, at their own 18-yard line. Did you almost fall out of the broadcast booth down into the crowd below when they snapped the ball? Because I know on TV the broadcast crew was thinking, well, they must be drawing them offside, trying to. And then they snapped it. You know, um, there were two things about that. I'm not surprised that they called that play because the head coach has been sort of arrogant or, you know, however you want to say, conceited about fourth downs, approaching fourth downs pretty much all season, Mm -hmm. almost to a fault. There were a lot of people who thought that he lost the Kansas City game by not kicking the field goals and taking the nine points that he left off the board uh, by going for fourth downs and not getting them. Uh, So it is what it is. We kind of knew going in that he was a little bit of a riverboat gambler uh, that he was going to take that on on, on the chin. Uh, But I was more surprised what the play called. Look, Austin Eckler to me is a good football back, a good running back. His strength is not running between the tackles. His strength is running outside. His strength is, you know, getting the ball in, 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 in the flats, you know, whether it's uh, screens or, or, or flare passes or stuff like that. It's not inside. But I would give the credit to, to, to Darius Phylon, the, uh, the defensive tackle who unfortunately was lost uh, to injury uh, for the rest of the season, who used to play for the Chargers. He made a great play as a three technique, a defensive tackle, where he went around the, the, the left guard and got in the backfield and tackled Austin Eckler the moment he got the football. So there was no way he could get that first down. So I, I, I kind of deem it more as a good play by Darius Phylon and the Raiders' defense than it was in an, an, an that play by the Chargers' offense. Is Sachi done enough in your mind, or are they still going to go outside? One more time. Sachi, did he do enough to keep the job, or are they still going to look outside? You know, I, I plan on having a very in-depth conversation with Mark Davis, who I have a good relationship with at the end of the season. I think Passaccia has done enough for the good, to, to keep his job. There are some things that, that need to change. Um, but I honestly think that Passaccia has done a good enough job to keep, his, uh, to keep his job. And more importantly, I'm a little bit more excited about special teams guys having a head coach position. If you look at sort of the trend that's going around the NFL, whether you're an offensive or defensive-minded guy, I think that kind of takes away from managing the game. Um, and, and, and look, by the, by, by the letter of the law, managing the, a football game, is a talent and an art that's all its own. It's not that simple. A lot of people just think, well, you know, go for it on fourth down. or okay. No, you've you got to be able to understand the flow, the emotion, uh, uh, where you are, the momentum, uh, if, if you will, for a football game. And when you're an offensive or defensive-minded coach, I think a lot of times you're more fixated on that side of the ball. So I say that to say this. I think you, know, you look at guys at Harbaugh in Baltimore, you look at guys like Tomlin in Pittsburgh, special teams guys that allow their offensive defense coordinators to do their jobs, but they're managing the football game. And I think that's really – a, a lost art, if you ask me. So, the short answer or the long answer to your question is I do think Versace earned, earned the job. The Bengals haven't won a playoff game since the 1990 season, the 91 playoffs. They beat the Oilers, and the Oilers moved to Tennessee. We don't even have the Oilers anymore. That brand is gone, <laughs> which is too bad because that was a great brand. Yeah, the was, Raiders haven't won a playoff game since they beat the Titans a.k.a. the Oilers, uh, in the AFC title game in 2002. 
Now, the Bengals have been to the playoffs. The Raiders have played one playoff game since then. As you point out, you know, they got guys coming in from other teams, so that can bring some playoff experience to it. But two teams with so little success, how does that figure in? What does that matter? Who do you trust the most when you don't have any recent experience to trust anybody? Well, you, you know, you just you just dated me because the Raiders haven't won a playoff game since I played, which was two decades ago. <laughs> so you, you just dated me. I was on that team that beat the AFC Titans, uh, beat the Titans for the AFC Championship, and then I'm going to the Super Bowl. So yes, I, I remember it vividly. You know, when you talk about the for the Raiders, the the 2016 season, Derek Carr was on pace, in my opinion, to have an MVP caliber type of year until his ankle was broken. They ended up going to the playoffs to play the Texans with a rookie quarterback, which is the first time that ever happened in the playoffs. So you're right. As this roster sits right now for the Raiders, there were only two players that were on that team the last time they went into the playoffs, Jalen Richard and Derek Carr. That's it. Everyone else is brand new. Now, there have been other guys that have had playoff experience, Super Bowl experience, and KJ Wright with Seattle and stuff like that. But it doesn't necessarily carry over to where the Raiders' momentum is. So I think that kind of affects them when you talk about this game. Uh, for the Bengals, pretty much really, really similar situation, and even a lot more, just brand new team. But you know, it, it's one. Of, it's what provides for maybe a, a possibly entertaining and exciting game because the Bengals throughout this season have got their offense started. They're, they're, they've been able to air out the ball. Joe Burrow is having a, a tremendous year. He's got tremendous support from wide receivers. And this Bengals team beat the snot out of the Raiders, I think it was week 11, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, you know, the, the, the Raiders have got a little bit of a um, – sort of an experience of playing this team and seeing this team up close. And the Bengals have got you know their work cut out for them. But they're division winners, so they get a chance to host a football game. So it should make for an exciting wild card. Anything could happen. I think the momentum of both these teams um, – and, and more so the Raiders and the Bengals because I've never liked backing into the playoffs, but I understand why Cincinnati uh, sat a lot of their starters for the Cleveland game um, and, and just you know came in with the loss. I think they feel comfortable with what they have. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because weather will be an issue. Um, whether it's snowing or it's just downright cold, it's going to be blistery one way or the other out there. Um, and the Raiders aren't necessarily familiar with playing in that type of cold, playing in Allegiant Stadium, and, and more importantly, get the benefit of the doubt on the road game that they had this year, uh, and, and whether or not Cincinnati is, is, is ready to really handle those. So it should be a very entertaining wildcard game. You think Burrow is on the verge of being really, really big team, big time? I mean, super elite because he's got the stats that would look like it, but he doesn't have the experience in the postseason. Well, that's that's where it's going to come. I mean, that's where it's going to come up, and this is his first opportunity at that. Uh, I already think Joe Burrow is considered one of the elite quarterbacks by a lot of people around the league. Just doesn't have the wins to support it. Now, when you talk about elite, you're talking about Aaron Rodgers who's got a Super Bowl win, or Tom Brady who's got several Super Bowl wins, and that's sort of what's gauged as far as a quarterback. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, the same thing. Um, he's not there yet, but this is his first opportunity to maybe start that journey to be that. So at least he's got a little more experience in the league. I'm looking at New England trying to ride a rookie quarterback in the playoffs and thinking Jalen Hurts with Philadelphia and then the situation New England finds themselves in with Mac Jones. Like those are the two teams to absolutely pick against. You buying that? No, not necessarily, because the difference is going to come down to coaching. It's the difference maker in Bill Belichick. You know, Belichick has had a... Uh, a, a tradition, if you will, or a history of 
taking away what opposing offenses have done well. Mac Jones has been able to play within his own self. Not necessarily have to to to, to be that you know that go getter that does a lot. You know, Bill Belichick is supported with a defense and a good team. Um, but but Mac Jones has made those critical throws or those those throws that needed to be made at, at the right time. I think he plays within himself. Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. I you know I, I think they're they're on borrowed time. I didn't think they were a playoff bound team even though they found themselves in the playoffs. But I still think they've got some ways to go. But the thing is, is that they're good. They're form for winning football games is a good old-fashioned formula that carries over this time of year. They're able to run the ball. If they're able to run the ball, if the team is able to run the ball, you're able to have success. And that's what the Philadelphia Eagles have had the pleasure of having. Momentum, Lincoln, can be fickle at any level. And you got some teams that are storming in the playoffs, other teams like Arizona, maybe even the Rams with their disappointing loss last week. Not that they're backing into it, but they don't really have the momentum. How much do you believe in momentum playing well at the end of the season, being able to carry over? 100%, because I think momentum builds confidence. I think if you go into the playoffs and you sit there and create excuses of why you weren't able to win or you, the way that you got there, I think it kind of affects your, your overall sort of a, a, a draw for the game as a team, collectively as a team. If you're able to win, you're confident. Win, winning builds confidence. That's why I've always said even in preseason, it doesn't matter when the wins or losses, but wins build confidence. You're able to better coach off of a win than you can off of, off of a loss on this, on this level. And more importantly, players who look at themselves looking forward going forward are more ecstatic more happy to come off of a win rather than coming into off, off of a loss the Rams and the Cowboys are both 12 and 5 which is right. a, a pretty good record but I don't think the public really trusts either team uh, the Cowboys in part because they beat up on a really bad division went six and0 there and went six and five against everybody else and then to PK's point the Rams just when you want to trust him you watch him you're like oh what was that that was painful. Blowing a 17-point lead. Which team do you trust less, the Cowboys and the Rams? Oh, that's a good question. Um, oh, boy. You know what? It, 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 to me, and to be honest, guys, and, and I'm not just trying to wiggle out the question. I, I think it's pretty even. Matthew Stafford tends to throw a lot of interceptions in a situation <laughs> yeah. he did towards the tail end of the season. The Cowboys really don't have a running game without you know Tony Pollard. Um, you know they, they keep relying on Ezekiel Elliott, who's not getting it done for some reason, and they're beat up with offensive line issues. However, the, both teams, the Rams and the Cowboys' defense, can be impact makers. They have the players to be impact makers. If it wasn't for COVID, I think things would be a lot different, especially for the Cowboys. I, I think they're pretty much even. I wouldn't be surprised to see either of them out. However, I will say this: I did make a little side bet earlier this year that once the Rams got Matthew Stafford, they would be an NFC championship. So I do got a little bit of money waiting for you know Stafford and the Rams to get to the NFC championship. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> do you have the uh, Packers as the clear favorite in the NFC then? No, I didn't choose that. The only the only sort of uh, what prop bet I chose was the fact that the Rams were going to be in the N- NFC Championship, and I thought wholeheartedly once they got Matthew Stafford, they got the quarterback that put him over the top. I didn't expect all the other injuries and all the other intangibles to come into play, but you know it is what it is. The only thing about Stafford, you mentioned those interceptions. I looked it up, and I was surprised to see that he tied with Trevor Lawrence for the most yeah. interceptions in the NFL with 17. I, mean, yeah. I think we all knew Lawrence threw a lot of interceptions, and partly that's him, and partly that's the coaching situation, the chaos, and the lack of talent all added up. But for Stafford to pull up alongside of him, that, that caught me off guard. 
Yeah, you know, for Stafford, in a lot of his interceptions, it's just that the only way that I can analyze and assess it is the fact that he didn't see the whole field. There were times, I think even in the last game, where he threw kind of blindly to a point and didn't see linebackers or defenders sitting right there. I mean, in the Ravens game, it was a pick six right off the back because there was a linebacker sitting right there. I was like, how do you not see him? Um, uh, and but, but for Stafford, a lot of times it wasn't just seeing the whole field. It was just going with, with an initial instinct, tossing the ball to a point and at a fault. Black Monday hit. We saw the coaching changes. You know, yeah. I get it. It's part of the business. The only one I didn't really understand that much was Miami. What are your yeah. thoughts? I, it's There were certain rumors circulating around the fact that Harbaugh was available and the owner of Miami, I dropped his name right off the top of my as a, a affiliation with Michigan. Went to Michigan. He's a Michigan man. And he was going to make a, a play for Harbaugh. This is reminiscent to me, uh, it reminds me, I should say, of what um, Mark Davis did back in the day with Del Rio and, and Gruden. Um, the moment that he found Gruden was available, he decided to you know, clean house. And, of course, Del Rio had already lost the team at that point but um, it was a little bit different situation than Miami, but uh, he, he wanted to make way for Gruden. Uh, this is that, that sort of, that, that, that kind of reminds me of, of the same thing, situation in Miami. Well, Lincoln, as always, we appreciate it. Get some more uh, nitroglycerin and uh, don't fall yeah, out of the I'm, press I'm, box. I got my, my old prescription called in for Walgreens. I'm waiting for them to call me back and say it's good to go. There you go. <laughs> the right. kids have never let me down so far. So. <laughs> 36 and snow is the forecast for Cincinnati on Sunday. Oh, so that's, that's balmy right that's, there for Cincinnati, the Queen exactly. City. 36 degrees? Oh, great. I hope, the, I, hope the, I hope the press box or the, or the, the broadcast booth is closed off. Right. And no wind. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, Lincoln. We appreciate it. Enjoy the playoff thanks, game. Be well. Talk to you soon. All right. Lincoln Kennedy, he's our radio Raider radio analyst, part of the Raider Radio Network. Say that three times fast. And you'll hear that game right here on the uh, on the zone this weekend. All right, DJ and PK. We got Ken Pomeroy, college basketball expert, founder of KenPom.com. We'll talk college basketball with him coming up at 8.30. We got more reaction to the Jazz and a four-game losing streak, and we will get to that next. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Joining us now, David Cantor, agent for Eric Weddle. Of all the players I've represented, I've probably represented 2,000 guys in the last 26 years. He was the most comfortable post-life of any guy I've ever represented. I can't stress this enough. He's never once said, hey, reach out to Sean and, and see what the Rams think. It was none of that. This was not initiated by us. This was not a desirous thing. Like, oh, man, I'd love to get a chance to win a ring again. Maybe we should sniff around some of the playoff teams. I did none of that. This is Eric Weddle loving his teammates, has unbelievable relationships. This is for the love of the game. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Built Bar. Whether it's double chocolate, peanut butter brownie, cherry barcia, or salted caramel. Enjoy a Built Bar. 100% real chocolate. 100% real delicious. Order yours today at Built.com and save 10% off your order using the promo code ZONE at checkout. That's Built Bar. Question of the morning. The Jazz have lost four straight games. They have dropped into fourth place in the West. What to do? What to do? Yeah, that what to do is to take off on one of Donovan Mitchell's commercials. 
What to do? What to do? <laughs> Fritz keeps it simple. Get healthy. Dot dot dot. Don't panic. No complicated messages from Fritz right there. Okay, yeah. I mean, obviously that's a big difference. Jacob says, stop caring so much about the regular season and focus on the postseason. We can't help but connect the two. You watch a team lose four in a row, you think this team doesn't look like a title team. Of course, they don't have their guys. Especially Rudy. Other guys hurt too. Mitchell made an excellent point in his postgame. I like what he said when he said, you know, if we could have just won the games that were winnable here – uh, with uh, the Pacers and yep. the Pistons, wouldn't be any big deal. Yep, and he's right. He's spot on. Yeah, because then we were saying, oh, "Toronto, come on, we get it. You didn't want yeah. to take your guys into the country with all the things going on, yep. blah blah blah." And then playing Cleveland, which is a nice young emerging team, and they've got big guys. You literally didn't have any big guys, so yeah, we get it. So if they could have done that, but they didn't do that, particularly that Detroit game. That Detroit game still sticks with me because you had a 22-point lead yep. and you allowed them to score almost 80 points in the second half. I mean, it's just completely and totally unacceptable. So they didn't get it done, and now we're at four here, and they got three days off until they get the Nuggets. You don't want to go crazy, but at the same time, you know, your health is really not impacting what – the situation with the Grizzlies is, you know, they're doing their thing and they've passed you because they're really good and they're in a great streak. They've won 10 in a row. And when you look at it though, if you take a step back and try to find perspective, which I think you have to do during the course of a long season, we've seen two things in the span of five days that I know for me, I've never seen with the jazz since I've been following intensely for almost 30 years and i don't know that i'll ever see it again in the next 30 years i'm not going to live 30 years probably but think about it they go to toronto and and have a g league team out there then they come home and there was a game in between but then they come home and they have no big guys zero none for a model franchise that has been as stable as stable can be think about it Two things in the span of five days that we've never seen. And we may, I mean, this is a crazy season, so maybe we'll see it in two weeks. Who knows? But but beyond that, man, we, we've never seen any of this stuff ever. So you do have to roll with it to a good extent. The only thing I can think of that compares to Toronto, and it isn't a perfect fit, but it's the closest thing I've got, is that... They were running out some G League-ish rosters the year after Stockton and Malone, and somehow Sloan, you know, conjured up a 500 team. Uh, though some of those teams late, uh, some of those games late in the year, they were bringing in guys that never heard of and still somehow winning. And I don't know that those teams were as depleted as the team they ran out in Toronto. Hey, they had Ben Handlogged in, man. What I knew are you that was the about? name. I knew that was the name that had come up. That was they had a six eleven guy, right? I mean, they didn't have any height against the Cavs. That's true. That's true. They got hit very hard at the center position. Uh, in the middle of all that, uh, Yuck just informed me we're getting Joe Ingles today. After all, Joe's got something better to do on Friday, so he's going to knock the interview out today, nine a.m. for Joe Ingles. And I know for multiple reasons, a lot of you want to hear from Joe Ingles today. So. Joe in one hour, right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Stay with us.